This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash realdavejackson. Some personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zulgeek, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Nick Ficori, Jill, Soccer, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., Matt aka Stormageddon, JD, Doug Leaf, Jason Emery, Rob Shack, Brian Skersha, Randall, Jake Martin, Jenny E., and many more have all chosen to show their support for Tales from the Backlog, people named Dave, and podcasters around the world by going to patreon.com slash realdavejackson to kick a few bucks a month my way and support the show. In return for their donations, these people are getting some cool benefits like being able to vote in polls and a new benefit that was just announced where at the tube producer level, you can nominate games to go in the polls. If that sounds cool to you, you can head over to patreon.com slash realdavejackson, check out the tiers, and if you want to support that way, it would be greatly appreciated. With that being said, let's get on to the show. Everybody, my name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to bring a game out of the backlog, play it, and discuss. My guest today is a friend of the show returning for the second time, a professional voice actor, Twitch streamer, and much, much more, and Swoop Racing Champion 20 Years Running, Mick Davis, aka Mick Arcade. Welcome back, Mick. Hello, it's a pleasure to be back. And I got to tell you, running the swoop races on Terrace has been the greatest joy of my entire life. <laughs> uh, it's good to have you back on the show today. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, uh, which is an RPG developed by BioWare and published by LucasArts for Windows and Xbox in 2003. For people who are listening and have not played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, uh, henceforth probably known as KOTOR, because I'm not going to say all those words the entire time. Uh, if you haven't played KOTOR, you do not need to worry. We're not going to spoil the story for you. This game has a very interesting and quite famous story around Star Wars and video game land. So we're not going to spoil it for you. You can check down in the show notes for a timestamp for when the spoilers begin. So you can jump out at that point if you uh, want to avoid being spoiled there. So uh, getting into what this game is, we've prepared some elevator pitches for the top of the show. Uh, I say you can live out your Jedi fantasy in this approachable Star Wars RPG with one of the more memorable stories in all of Star Wars media. Nick, what would you say? Hey, kids, you like Star Wars? <laughs> well, I got some real good Star Wars for you right here. Mm -hmm. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it is real good Star Wars. Um I played this the first time I played this on Xbox. I don't like Xbox 360, I guess, uh, back in um, 2007 or so. This time around, I replayed it on Switch. Uh, the Switch port works mostly fine. Uh, it crashed <laughs> a couple of times, but you'll have that with uh, a lot of Switch ports these days. 
35 hours for me to beat, and that includes doing a good number of uh, side quests. Um, how about you, Nick? Uh, where have you played this? How long would you say a playthrough takes you? So I played it uh, originally on the uh, Xbox, um, on the first Xbox, and uh, I think... My play times were in that 37 to like 45 kind of area. It just depends on really how much I would go on to side quests and things like that. Because obviously, depending on what you do when you go to the different planets, you can do a lot of side content or you can just bore through and go through the mainline content. So I first played it on Xbox, but then I've also played it on Switch, which, as you said, it... Sort of works. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> works well enough. I beat the game, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so back in the day, you you played it on the original Xbox. Uh, what mm. was it that made you want to play it? Was, the, was it the fact that it's Bioware? Was it Star Wars fandom? What was it? Oh, it was a thousand percent Star Wars fandom. Okay. Uh, I had no idea who Bioware was when I played this game okay. the first time. Because <laughs> I played it w- essentially when it came out. Uh, a buddy of mine... Um, at the time who he's a couple years older than me and he had an apartment and across the street from the apartment was, uh, cause this was a very small town that he was living in, mm-hmm. but across the street, they had a local video store. So, you know, I'd go like hang out with him on the weekends and stuff. And like during the summer and went over and we were over at the video store, just kind of goofing around, looking at different stuff, saw this game and said, Hey, let's try a star Wars game out, man. And we were hooked, played it just un- like all night like one of those like just stayed up all night playing it because we were just blown away by how different it was and how cool it was because again in 2003 like you didn't you didn't really get a lot of games that were doing this much less star wars games mm-hmm. um i think at that point kind of the bar set for star wars was shadows of the empire on 64 right so yeah we 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 just loved it and and had a blast with it and eventually when I got an Xbox myself it was one of the first games that I got and just absolutely loved it it and the sequel uh which is a whole nother story. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh maybe a future episode on the show if I get around to playing it cuz I have them both on Switch now. So um yeah for me personally this was also for me because I grew up as a giant Star Wars fan and kind of only recently in the last handful of years kind of fell off of Star Wars as a, a thing that I make my whole personality, you know, shaped around and stuff. <laughs> I, I still have a, my entire personality is shaped around Star Wars. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so back then, uh, I, I was not really someone who played this kind of game, um, but I was, like you said, I was looking for like cool Star Wars games. And yeah. back in 2007... Uh, the closest thing that I remember was like, I liked Rogue Squadron on the N64 and yep. there were the the Star Wars games on like the Super Nintendo that were so difficult that I didn't think they were very fun. Dark Souls level difficulty on those games. They're, <laughs> I mean, they're, I put that even higher. Those games are like, fuck you difficult, I think. Yeah, they are brutal. <laughs> it, it God, I mean... it's one of those games you know you have like games that you've probably rented multiple times in your life that is one of those games or super empire strikes back rented it so many times i 
I don't think we ever legitimately got far into the game. We had to use like cheat codes and stuff from Nintendo Power because it was just so brutal. Yeah. And that was kind of my experience with Shadows of the Empire too. Like I I played that game a lot. I don't think I ever beat the second level of that game. So or maybe I got a little bit further because I remember doing a Hoth level and Stuff yeah, like there's that. the so. there's the initial one where you're doing the snow speeder and then you actually run around in the base. Yeah, and I th- I don't think I ever got past that or there's like an early game train level I remember that um yep. so that not, one not is far. Ford Mantel. It's hard, so insanely hard. Yeah. And then uh the Boba Fett boss fight is brutal. So I don't even think I made it to Boba Fett. I don't <laughs> so, so ridiculously yeah. hard. So not a lot of like there wasn't a video game that I could like sink my teeth into the way that I really wanted to with Star Wars back then. Um, so in 2007, I played KOTOR for the first time. And it's weird because in 2003, I had an Xbox and I loved Star Wars and I just never heard about this game because I think we were probably just playing Halo at the time. I, I think you're right. It That seemed to happen with a lot of Xbox games from my memory of it was halo just dominated it so much that things like at least from again my perspective like morrowind kind of fell through the cracks for a lot of people kotor did fable did like it just there's so many games that seem to fall through the cracks at least like people found them eventually but like yeah halo was just ruling the system yeah and then that's the other part of it after i kind of got tired of halo i found morrowind and that was like Mm. the next two years of my life i just played morrowind so uh 2007 i finally got around to playing kotor and i remember it's 2007 in particular because i i I had a very specific lifestyle in the summer of 2007 Um, (laughs) i was in college it was the summertime i was taking one class i didn't have a job And so I would go to my one class, I would come home and play KOTOR all afternoon. Then my roommate would get home, Uh, we would make hamburger helper, we'd eat it three to four times a week. And we watched Lost all evening together. And so that was the summer, KOTOR in the afternoons, Lost in the evening, class in the morning. And I did that with uh, three seasons of Lost and both KOTOR games. And it was a beautiful (laughs) summer. Uh, that's not to say to go back to that kind of life (laughs) that's like picturesque it's that one of those like you sit back and look and go it will never get better than this yeah and uh i don't i don't think i've had hamburger helper since although i'm not against it (laughs) nothing wrong with it no i it's like i said i i had a very similar experience with you know going to a buddy's house and playing it and then when i got it myself it was just sitting back and just playing it for hours and hours and hours and like what happens if i go here what happens if i go there because Mm -hmm. it is a game of choice and i think at that point i hadn't played many games that were were games of choice outside of like resident evil 2 maybe where do i take the machine gun or do i leave it you know do i take the backpack or do i leave like that was kind of the extent of choice in games but this was just like everything you did matters Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's that's what they sold us. And I think the other game like that was Fable, where yes. your choices mattered in sort that of. your character would become like the like an angel or like a literal devil with horns yeah. on their head and stuff. But other than that, it was, you know, I like that game. But anyway, um, KOTOR. So how do you think, like to give some quick opening thoughts here, how do you think KOTOR holds up uh, here in 2023? I think... 
I think it it's one of those weird things where I feel like it holds up pretty well because the way the story is told is is good. Like it, it's a good story. It's a solid story. Mm-hmm. Um, the gameplay, at least the first one, and and you know. The first Mass Effect is the same way. I feel like the gameplay is a little clunky, but it's something that BioWare did uh, all the way until Mass Effect 2, I want to say, was a, a drastic shift in how they approached their their gameplay because, like, Dragon Age was like that. Jade Empire was like that. Mass Effect was like that. So mm-hmm. I, I do think the combat could potentially be a touch off-putting for some people because – it's kind of slow. It's not very action driven in terms of like you press a button, you swing the the lightsaber. It's you press a button and then you kind of wait and yeah. then the lightsaber might hit. <laughs> um, so it's very D&D style in that regard. But I think it's good enough combat and the story and the characters are good enough that can draw you in and it makes up for it. Again, yeah. And this was even in 2003, I kind of felt like this because, you know, you're playing something like you know, episode three on PlayStation two, that's a completely different experience because it is like a more action based gameplay, Mm -hmm. but the story is the main focus of this game and the characters. Yeah. So I I think that like playing it in 2023, I I largely agree with you. I think the story holds up and like, I don't want to really get into the story a whole lot in any real detail right now, but I was curious about how this story in particular would hold up when you already know what's coming, like how things are laid out. Is it a well-constructed story? And I came out of this replay thinking, yes, it actually Mm -hmm. is. It's really pretty damn good. And the story content that I'm getting from contemporary Star Wars stuff, uh, the prequel trilogy was a, a, just a a trash fire of storytelling (laughs) in my opinion. Partially written by children. Because George Lucas asked his children, hey, what would you like to see? Fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, Andor was fun. And um, what, what's the uh, the the new Jedi games? Uh, I played Fallen Order. I thought that was pretty fun, too. Yeah. I haven't gotten around to Jedi Survivor yet, but it's, it's on the list. Um, this still holds up as a very good Star Wars story. I agree with you. The gameplay is, is very... It, it's strange. It, it feels like... Uh, I had a really interesting experience here. I played this directly between Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Oh, wow. So it, you're kind of in the mode of like yeah. those style of games because it is very much in, in that sort of same style of, yeah. of those games. But like that's this year I played that, like not back then. So this year <laughs> like I, played, yeah, I played Baldur's Gate 1 for the podcast. I played this. Uh, for a guest appearance on our retro hangover. And then I played Baldur's Gate 2 again for my podcast here. All Bioware and all um, right in this like evolutionary line that connects Baldur's Gate to Mass Effect. So that's really what I came out of this feeling like is like they made a very conscious effort to make this game approachable for people who don't know everything about D&D and also mm. make it good for a console. And I think that really shows because the gameplay is so simple that it is completely unmemorable. And honestly, like by about halfway through the game, you don't really have to think about what you're doing in combat a whole lot. So it's a, it's a cool thing to see that the story holds up, but the gameplay I do not think has held up very well. Uh, just to, you know, quick opening things at the top of the show. 
Yeah, for no, I, I agree. I, I I do think you and you kind of touched on this. I think the further you get in, you get used to the combat, so it's not as like bad and clunky. Like it still is what it is, but you're used to like, okay, I know what I need to do. I know how everything works. I know how the force powers work and this and that. Yeah. So you can go through everything. Again, it's not engaging, but you can sort of turn your brain off because every fight seems to go the same way. Yep. Yep. Agreed. So uh, let us take our first music break of the episode. And when we come back, we're going to set up the story of KOTOR. So in Knights of the Old Republic, uh, as the name The Old Republic might suggest, it is set thousands of years before the events of the Skywalker saga, uh, which just real quick, I want to say, I love when Star Wars media is not set during the Skywalker saga. Uh, I love to see, yeah, new ideas, especially things that are not in that between episode three and four range because they have hammered that into the ground. The well is dry. I'm yes. using too many metaphors, but I'm, I was like, this is completely separate. New characters, new dynamics. Um, obviously the Jedi and the Sith are still here, but like everything's new. The fountain is, uh, is flowing for, for new story ideas. No, I agree so much because in a lot of ways, I think KOTOR gives us the sort of Star Wars that we kind of always wanted to see. You know, like you watch A New Hope and Obi-Wan references the Clone Wars and he references who Anakin was and how Anakin was and things like that. So you your mind goes into a certain direction of like what that looks like. Well, then we got to see what it looks like and, you know, it wasn't quite what our level of expectation was. Mm-hmm. And throughout the 90s, there was just so much expanded universe kind of content, you know, the Young Jedi Order and, you know, the Young Jedi Knights books and all that kind of stuff, the Thrawn trilogy. So there was so much, like, cool content that was for Star Wars. But then they showed us this and it was like, oh, this is this is amazing because, like, you could tell a completely unique story. Mm-hmm. You could do whatever you want to do with it. And it's what everybody likes. It's like tons of Jedi. They're fighting tons of Sith, not just like literally one dude even though it is darth vader and he's awesome but you (laughs) know they're not like old people they're they're actually like younger and capable and doing cool stuff so uh ship battles like it's all the best parts of star wars without some of the baggage that star wars can carry yeah and especially that like that between episode three and four timeline where so many of these stories have taken place in in recent years like uh, the the Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor storyline takes place during that time. And not to say that they can't tell a good story during that time, but there's a lid on what can mm. happen because we already know how everything plays out and we know what the most powerful people in the galaxy are going to do. So yep. they're the ones who control how the, the bigger story goes. So Um, Not that there's not any value in smaller stories uh, within Star Wars, but it is cool to just get a completely fresh timeline. You can do anything you want. I agree. And as you said, 
you can tell these stories, but you have to work really, really hard to make them like engaging and gripping and grab because if you don't, you're just like, I know what's I know these people are going to die or I know yeah, this guy's exactly. not around. Like, he's not know? like Cal Kestis isn't going to kill Darth Vader at the end of one no. of these games. It's just not going to happen. It can't happen. So, yeah. So it's like. I, I appreciate you, Cal. However, um, I know you're ultimately gonna lose. Yep. I didn't see you popping up any in any movies or shows, so <laughs> you're gonna die. Yeah, he's uh, he's a he's a grizzled old man in one of the bars on Tatooine in A New Hope or something like that. That would actually be awesome if yeah. they did that. It's It'd sort of like, like it's the guy I, that uh, Luke cuts his hands off in the bar or something. They'd be like, "Oh, that was Cal." They'll retcon that or something. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, I, I I think it was sort of a retcon how they've put uh, Captain Rex in Return of the Jedi because there's like this older dude who's like super tan and has like a bushy white beard, mm-hmm. and now everybody's like, "That's actually Captain Rex from the <laughs> Clone Wars." <laughs> it's like I don't know if it really is him or not, but a, a lot of people are like, "No, no, no, that's." him because he kind of looks like Tamara Morrison with a white beard. Yeah. Uh, as Obi-Wan that cut the guy's hands off. Don't come at me, Star Wars people. Uh, just uh, Anyway, in KOTOR, you play as a uh, Republic soldier. Um, the game begins as your ship is being attacked. Uh, you and uh, this other soldier named Karth jump into an escape pod and you crash on the planet Taurus. Um, on Taurus, uh, you join up with Karth and search the planet for a Jedi named Bastila, uh, who has escaped from the falling ship. Um, Bastila has this uh, power called battle meditation that is based, I imagine in my head as like she's playing Starcraft while battles are playing or something like that. And so she's a weapon and she cannot fall into the wrong hands. So you got to go find her um, in this opening section. So um, you're on Taurus for a while. And this is just kind of a thing I want to bring up about the pacing of this story. Uh, there's this early section in Taurus, and there's another late game section that comes when you think the game is over. You have another like five hour section. And uh, these two sections, I think, are both too long and they fuck up the pacing. Otherwise, in the middle section, I think the pacing is pretty good. No, I agree 100 percent. I think th- there's a point and I want to say when you get the the Sith uniform to go into the undercity of Terrace and you end up with like you go into the other area where there's like the rat ghouls and there's like the yeah. people who kind of live like once I got to that point I was like am I just going to be on this planet the entire time <laughs> because it it really does it just drags so long and like once you've gone through it once you kind of know like what's what to do what not to do and and stuff like that although there is some fun stuff like you know you could be the mysterious stranger Uh and you could do all those battles which is fun and uh but you kind of quickly learn like oh i don't have to do side content i could just go do the main content Mm -hmm. um the the thing about that that early section on taurus 2 is that at this point like your character becomes a Jedi in this game. I don't think it's a big spoiler to say that. No, um, I think they tell you on the back of the box, actually. Right. So you're living out your Jedi fantasy. Like, I think I said that in the elevator pitch. But anyway, in this Taurus section, this is before you do any Jedi stuff. So you're just a dude and you're swinging yeah. metal swords and shooting blasters and stuff like that. And in your head, you're like, I am playing this game because I want to do Jedi RPG shit. 
when do I get to become a Jedi? It's hour 10. I'm still in this fucking city. Yeah. No, it's it's brutal. And I do think that's a, one of the other downsides is because even if you do know, like, okay, I'm going to become a Jedi so you can, you know, pick your you, you could pick more sword based abilities and attacks and things like that. But at the same time, depending on what your starting class was, you might be sinking a ton of points into blaster related stuff, right. which when you become a Jedi you're never using a blaster again. No, I think there's actually not. penalties for using a blaster <laughs> as a Jedi. It's it's like the like the game is like smacking you on the hand with a ruler. Like, dude, use your lightsaber. Come on. Yeah. And it's like, but I don't have one. I just have a <laughs> shitty metal sword. Yeah. What a, yeah, no, it's it is the one downside about any time I replay this game is like, oh cool. I get to be here for literally ever because that is just it's it's terrible pacing they fixed it a little bit in the second game because Mm. at least with that you have force powers you just don't have a lightsaber in the very beginning but even then it's a little too long before you get what you want right so eventually you do find out that your character is force sensitive um you find bastila uh you go to the jedi uh, home planet of dantooine i believe is the name of the Mm -hmm. the jedi home planet yeah uh you get an audience with the council and they send you out on the hunt for this thing called the Star Forge, uh, which is a weapon that um, can harness like the power of stars and do horrible, you know, dark side shit from it. Um, there's also a Sith Lord named Darth Malak and uh, his old master named Darth Revan, who are supposedly out looking for this too. Darth Revan has disappeared uh, after a battle. And so you're kind of following in their footsteps looking for this um, Starforge weapon. And that is the bulk of the early portion of the game. You go to four planets. You go to um, Tatooine, Kashyyyk, Dantooine, and Korriban, and um, Manan is the other one. So five planets in total looking for these maps that will lead you to the Starforge location. So you get to go on like a little tour of um, fun places that you probably already knew from various Star Wars media, especially Tatooine and um, Kashyyyk with all the Wookiees. Oh, yeah. Well, and Dantooine's a, a reference as well. You know, Dantooine, mm-hmm. they're on Dantooine. Right, yeah. Y- you know, so like, again, it's kind of cool that it was just like offhandedly mentioned in a movie and they're like, we got the whole planet for you to walk around on. So mm-hmm. that was really nice, I think. Yeah, and it's it's cool to kind of give more life to some of these locations like – um Especially Kashyyyk, you heard, you know, you met one Wookiee in the Star Wars movies, and then now you get to go to a planet full of them and go out in the jungle. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, And that spoilers, that's one of my favorite places that you visit in the whole game is that that whole section on Kashyyyk is a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. So just some kind of thoughts about the story here before we we move into other sections. Um, You are joined by several characters in your uh, quest. There are nine other characters that can join you. Uh, You can form a party of three, including yourself. Uh, I think a lot of these characters have pretty interesting backstories, and this is continuing from Baldur's Gate, but like really moving into like, you know, people sometimes talk about the side characters in Baldur's Gate. People love the side characters in Mass Effect, and this feels like... um, Another one of those ways that this game feels like an evolutionary step between the two. The the characters that you meet are pretty memorable, um, and a lot of them have good stories. 
I, I agree. And I think one of the really cool things is the ability to deepen your relationship with the different characters. Yeah. So you get more of that backstory. I mean, as you said, you start first start running around with Karth and he's basically closed off to you and, and is just a giant dickhead yeah. um, and doesn't want to tell you anything. And so you really have to spend time and raise your relationship and your, your bond with him to get him to start opening up to you. And, and some of the other characters, it's a, they're a little quicker to, to tell you stuff and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But I do really like that you do f- feel that closeness and that bond because yeah, you might just be running around for hours doing combat and things like that, but the ability to, you know, they'll have an opinion about something that you did or said, or just something that's going on. And that leads to a whole thing of dialogue and, you know, more story. And and it's really cool. And they're all very unique and very different. Like, I don't think any two of the characters are close to being the same. Right. Like you have, a lot of representation from like the different species or races, however they classify them in um, Star Wars. You have a couple of droids, but the two droids you pick up could not be more different from one another. Um, My boy HK. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> HK 47 is a really memorable one. He's a real, um, he's a real bloodthirsty droid, which is very different from, uh, you know, the, the C3PO's and R2D2's of the world. Um, Super memorable. I'm a big fan of uh, Mission and Zalbar. Uh, Mission is a, a Twi'lek girl and Zalbar is a Wookiee and they come as a pair and they are really great together. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, they're they're super fun. Uh, I really like um, Candorous. He's yeah. one of my favorite guys to use just because he it's so weird. In a game that has, like, characters that are on the extreme ends of a spectrum, like, HK is obviously, like, the baddest of the bad characters that you can get. Yeah. But he's a droid, so he does what you say. Uh, And, you know, like, Mission and Karth and Zalbar, they're, like, the goody two-shoes. Candorous is, like, the real character because, you know, he's, like, yeah, sometimes you have to do bad things. That's a thing that you do. And... It happens like so I I just appreciate his depth of character and he's a Mandalorian. So you get that cool Mandalorian lore that at by this point we just had next to nothing on. So it was really cool. Exactly. Yeah. So like it's it's one of those things you get to learn about Mandalorian culture through talking with um, with Candorous. You get to learn about Wookiees by doing stuff with um, with Zalbar and going to Kashyyyk. And you get to learn about all of these um, these different types of characters uh, this also kind of introduced, I think, the idea of like, whenever you go into your ship, you go around the ship and you can talk to all of your side characters, hear what they think about what just happened, um, do character like side quests for them. Um, all of them have different side quests that will um, kind of deepen your relationship with them, give you some rewards and stuff. Uh, which again, it's it's something that like they did here, and then they really explored and expanded this in the Mass Effect uh, trilogy. Yeah, they did it heavily in Mass Effect. They did it heavily in Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just sort of the Bioware way now. Is um, they? I I I want to say they've pretty much got it to a science at this point where it's it's good. Yeah. One other thing I think I want to point out about this story and like. There's a lo- there's a couple reasons why I think this story is really interesting, especially compared to other Star Wars stories we get. Uh, this game is full of Jedi and it's full of Sith, 
And I think that this game in particular, more so than most of the movies um, and other games and stories I've experienced, does a cool job of exploring like, what is it actually like to be a Jedi and all of the pressures you'll face because you meet more Jedi in here than you do in um, the original trilogy of, yeah. uh, of Star Wars. And then when this game came out, the prequel trilogy was still coming out basically. So you meet more Jedi and you meet people who fall into the dark side and you see how easily it can happen. You experience that with Anakin in the prequels, but you already knew that that was going to happen with some of the characters in KOTOR. You get to see like, Oh, uh, this character's, um, like master was a dick to them uh, during training. And it just sent them on this spiral to the dark side, uh, really easily. Uh, there's other Jedi who like forsake the ways of the Jedi. Cause they're like, Hey, this shit sucks. I want to be a regular person. So I think that this is really cool how this game spends a lot of time examining all of that stuff. Like in the movies that we grew up with, you know, the Skywalker, the Luke Skywalker story, the Jedi are portrayed as perfect basically yeah, uh, for a, a long time percent. until it, it wasn't until like the prequel tril- trilogy when it's like, Oh, the Jedi made like horrible mistakes and they fucked this whole thing up. Uh, but for a long time, the Jedi are presented in this, like, just, they are like the white knights of the galaxy. They never make mistakes. They're incredible. And this game is like, Hey, being a Jedi would actually kind of suck. Oh yeah. No, I I think that's one of the really interesting things. And it's something that we got to see explored more in the clone wars animated because we got to see more Jedis in a time of war because Mm -hmm. that's where this game is taking place. There's a war between the Jedi and the Sith. Yeah. So they're not just the benevolent protectors that are just kicking back being like, yeah, life's pretty good. You know, (laughs) no, you get to actually see the pressures and the struggles and the things that they have to deal with. And as you said, you know, some of it's just like, man, my, master was a real dickhead i don't want to do this anymore i'm going to the dark side you get to see characters fall to the dark side you get to see characters you can redeem Mm -hmm. one of your side characters from the dark side and they can come back from it you know like it's it's so deep and you also get to look at it and realize how nuanced the jedi order is and it's like oh they're not all that some of them are just straight up assholes and just you know, like, no wonder you would fall to the dark side if you had to deal with this fucking guy. Like, uh, the Sith are a little bit more one note, which is kind of disappointing. Like, yeah. you never meet a clever Sith. They're all kind of stupid and just one note. It's, it's kind of the way, like, when they wrote, whoever wrote it, George Lucas probably wrote how the Sith, like, work. There's not really a lot of room for expression within that when it's like they only care about power and their their duty in life is to kill their master and then take on a Padawan that will then kill them. That's about yeah, that's which is, Sith life. Yeah, which is just it's other other people since have added more nuance to the dark side and to the Sith and things like that outside of the rule of two and, and expanded on it. So, it you know, as like a, a just a. a deep fan of star Wars lore and like the force and how it is. It's like, yeah, the dark side is a little bit more nuanced, at least theoretically. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that is disappointing, but they do a really good job with showing the depth and layers of the Jedi. Like you said, yeah, which is very cool to see. Yep. Speaking of uh Jedi and Sith, this game also has a morality system. Um, you make lots and lots of choices about how you talk to people, 
how you go about solving quests, and all of those choices will give you dark side points or light side points. So if you donate money to someone to help them pay their debt, you'll get light side points. If you kill a civilian, you'll get dark side points. And so you can (laughs) um, kind of branch in the direction you want when you become a Jedi. You can can be a Jedi or you can turn over to the dark side and uh, kind of role play that a little bit. Um, I have played this game twice. I did a light side playthrough both times, and it's mostly because the um, the dark side just doesn't seem that interesting to me. Uh, lots of dialogue options are very uh, one note or very um, like very black and white. We'll say uh, mm. the light side option will be like, "Hello, uh, I understand you're in distress. What can I do to aid you in these trying times?" And then the dark side option will be like, fuck you, I'll cut your head off if you don't tell me what I need to know right now. And <laughs> that's like, like that's kind of an exaggeration, but it's not really an exaggeration. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of spot on. And and I think that's – so this game I feel I, – and I believe canonically you follow the light side path. Probably, like, yeah. That, that From my understanding, both, both KOTOR games, uh, the canonical – path is light side Mm -hmm. um which i understand uh because there's just no depth to the dark side and obviously if you go through the dark side version of this game it's going to be much quicker because you just essentially cut yourself off from like a lot of story and you know extra side stuff because you either kill people or alienate yourself from them you're almost all of your teammates hate everything you do so you don't deepen your relationship (laughs) with them so you lose out on their story Mm -hmm. um so yeah it really is just a because you want to use like dark side powers without a penalty uh and that's fine but even then like the dark side ending is kind of meh yeah it it really seems like you would i i would only do a dark side playthrough out of pure curiosity not because it seems like it would be fun to role play it, it really isn't that that fun just because again it doesn't add anything to it you don't get more story because you go dark side i think the only place where you might get a little bit more is on the sith academy right on Korriban. Mm-hmm. but even then when you're a light side and you're trying to appear like your dark side you're getting more out of that because again you're not killing everybody you're right. actually like <laughs> talking to them and learning and solving puzzles and problems and getting more knowing more about a planet like i want to say there's like three or four times on um on terrace where if you do dark side choices you just lose like two hours of story because mm. you're not following down this quest line because you're like fuck you i'm gonna kill everything yeah. which again it, it it's just so one note and boring uh i i've always wanted them to make a star wars game that if you actually go to the dark side there's full story for that and not just like one point in the game where it'll alter the last couple hours of the game yeah i i can't really think of a star wars game that that does that um because the Jedi Fallen Order games, you're following a story. You don't have agency in what side you're on. Uh, these ones, the the KOTOR games, you can pick the dark side, but like you said, you'll you'll miss out on a bunch of stuff. Maybe that new open world game they're making. If there's, Maybe. I don't even know if there's Jedi in that game. I, I don't think it is. Uh, there's one other game where you could choose like light side abilities and dark side abilities. Uh, which was the Jedi Academy games. Oh, right, um, right. But to be honest, 
there's just a point in the story where you basically choose if you're light and dark. You could have all dark side abilities and choose the light side path once you get to that certain story beat and it mm. doesn't matter but for that whole time you could be like force lightning and choking people and all that and it's just like <laughs> yeah whatever uh so yeah it's just that's the one thing like and i guess it's it's just really really hard to do with with nuance and yeah. with a game is and add depth to that because it is the 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 for the force is very binary. It is the light side and the dark side. I know people are be like, no, Jolie Bindo is a gray Jedi. No, he's not. He's not a gray Jedi. No. He is just a light side force user. There is a difference. Yeah. There is no such thing as a gray Jedi with the force. I'm glad you mentioned that like binary nature of it, because this morality system really only works if you pick a side and hammer it too. Like if you're in mm-hmm. the middle, you're not going to get the benefits of either side. You're just going to be yeah. kind of a centrist and fuck you for being a centrist, I guess. So no, that that's pretty much how it, how it reacts. Like this game kind of forces you, you have to be one extreme or the other, because I am of the belief that is how the force works. Like, uh, cause I, I'm trying not rant too long on this. <laughs> I know it's a really popular thing in today's age that we like romanticize villains or people say like, well, a true Jedi master is someone who could use the dark side and not have it corrupt them. But as we've seen, that's not how it works. The dark side really is the quick and easier path. The more you mm-hmm. use it, the more it's harder to not use it. The further you fall down the rabbit hole. You yeah. can come back from it, but it's always there nagging and gnawing at you. So mm-hmm. that's one of those things like there's no in-between. There is the light. There is the dark. Yeah. I guess I thought of another um, Star Wars game where you get to do dark side stuff and it's the the Force Unleashed games. But those oh, are that's true. Those are just kind of like Jedi power fantasy combat games. It's not. Oh yeah, it's not rip a star destroyer out of orbit. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, that's fun though. You know. Yeah. Um, anything else about the uh, story in Kotor that you think is bringing up here in the non spoiler part? Uh, I will say this. Um, because I don't think this really spoils anything. There's a lot of unique things that you can do on each of the planets. And there's a lot of rich story and a lot of rich lore involved in each of the planets. Like on mm-hmm. Kashyyyk, you get to learn a lot about like the Wookiees and their history and the things that they're dealing with. You know, on Korriban, you get to learn about like the history of all these Dark Lords of the Sith and all that kind of stuff. And it's all really, really cool lore stuff. The downside to it is like it really has nothing to do with the story of the game. Mm-hmm. So if you're a big Star Wars fan, it's awesome to see all of this stuff but if you're just like yeah, i like star wars okay it not most of this stuff has like no impact on the story and you're right. just like eh, whatever yeah so that's yep. the only kind of like downside is like you could do a lot on these planets that doesn't really make a difference yeah i i will give them credit for like really fleshing out history and world building mm. in here um they you know rpgs are usually full of this kind of stuff you're always picking up notes and text logs or whatever that explain the history of the place that you're in or some person that you're looking at a statue of and this game's full of that stuff too yes for sure yeah which is super cool but again like doesn't have a lot of impact on the game sometimes which is fine yeah and uh we're intentionally like leaving out giant parts of the story here (laughs) uh we'll continue that in the spoiler section for sure but Uh, you're just going to have to trust us, I guess, that there is uh, some really interesting stuff that we're steering clear of right now in the non-spoiler part. It's very hard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So let's talk about how this game looks and um, how it sounds. Uh, I just get this out of the way real quick. Uh, I don't think this game's aged very well in the visual department. Some games from this, uh, you know, early 2000s era still look decently good right now. I don't think this This game looks great anymore. No, this (laughs) is one of those games that when you get it on Steam, you instantly look for like a mod Uh to boot to make the graphics look better because, yeah, this aged really poorly when it came out it looked great yeah good. um yeah and it was awesome big open zones of uh places to run around you're like i'm running through the desert in tatooine and now you play it and it's like i'm running through this completely empty desert in tatooine it's just a giant yep. screen <laughs> yeah there's just nothing here <laughs> yeah it's it's cool how the places that you go do look like you feel like they should like you you go to Tatooine and you're like oh this looks you know I recognize this from the movies and stuff you go to Kashyyyk and you see all like the tree villages and stuff like that that the Wookiees are living in and you're like this is cool this is very different from everywhere else but the places where I think it's aged really poorly are um the faces look oh yeah they look like early 2000s 3D faces the uh in the environments you know it's it is an older game. So back then they didn't have the processing power to have a bunch of stuff filling up all the places you go, but it does stand out now that like, you know, walking on those catwalks in Kashyyyk, there's nothing on them. It's just, maybe there's a treasure chest every now and then, yeah, like some maybe. people stand in there, but nothing else. Uh, that it's one of those things that they did a great job at. Like you said, Everything feels unique because Korriban is a very dry planet. You know, it's kind of desert-ish mm-hmm. or has desert aspects, but it looks very different from Tatooine. So right. everywhere looks different. It feels unique, which is awesome. But as you said, there's a lot of – man – there is nothing here. Like there, like on Terrace, for example, when you first kind of leave and you're in the, the Overcity part – it's just this long open area. There's a few people standing around. Some you can talk to. Some are just kind of like NPCs who are there talking to themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow, there's a lot of nothing here. Yep. <laughs> um, I'll ask you, since you're a professional voice actor, what do you think about the voice acting in this game? Oh, um, some of it is excellent. But it's also some of the actors who have sort of remained really relevant in the industry. Mm-hmm. My example of that would be Bastila, uh, who's voiced by uh, Jennifer Hale. Uh, and she is a legend in the industry and yeah. she is awesome. But then other folks, you can tell like, oh, they they didn't really do a lot after this. Or, you know, this was like their <laughs> first or second role. Like it was an early role for them. Like, so there is that mix, like some some of the voice actors are incredible. Some of them are just like, did you just do audiobooks before this? Like, what did you do? <laughs> um, and I do sort of understand it because it's one of those challenges as a voice actor that you sometimes face, particularly if it's a, uh, a property that you're not familiar with. Um, a lot of the things that you have to say or talk about and treat like serious and real just sounds like nonsense. Like uh-huh. some of the stuff and that you would have to say for this game, you know, literally sounds like we've got to stop the goopy gops from coming into Mos Eisley. Otherwise, the Tuscan Raiders are going to bebop all over the stambop. <laughs> and it's like 
you have to say that shit seriously and act like it matters. <laughs> and it's like, if you don't know anything about Star Wars, it's just a gig. It's just a job for you. You're like, what the fuck is this shit yeah. I'm supposed to say? <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, uh, I, I think the way I could compare it is like a way a lot of people talk about Star Trek, the next generation, um, where it's a lot of uh, what they call like Trekno babble because they'll say a lot of like tech sounding shit that just like it, it sounds like nonsense because it's mm-hmm. not real technology they're talking about but because they use it so much you're just like what the fuck are they saying so yeah. i i do think there's a little bit of that here um but yeah jen hale kills it she's awesome in this yeah i i i came out of this i didn't think that like the individual voice actors were bad or anything like that it's just it feels like this is from an era where voice acting in video games was super hit and miss. And I'm, I'm not yes. sure about like, uh, was it a voice direction issue or is it just like, Hey, all these people recorded their lines extremely separately from one another. And so like, you can tell they're not talking to each other. Um, sometimes it sounds like they're not even responding to somebody saying the line to them. It sounds like there's, this is my line. I'm going to read my line. I don't have, great context for what's going on in the scene. I'm just reading my line. Um, yeah. This kind of sounds like that in this game. No, that my guess is they they had them all individually hit the booth with just a, a freaking Bible worth of text. Because yeah. again, the um, uh, depending on the character, you know, so somebody like Karth, who is kind of present from the beginning of the game until the end of the game, Bastil is the same way. They had so much dialogue, and then you're also having to do it, okay, now act as if they were evil. Okay, now act if they were good. Okay, act if they were in the middle. Okay, tell this part of your backstory, but be angry. Tell this part, but be like aloof you know mm-hmm. like so i think it was just so much and it, so yeah it's a challenge you could definitely tell with like some of the sith uh you know kind of npcs like the extras like um hey go watch like the a new hope and listen to how those british guys do the sith <laughs> soldiers yeah do something like that because all of them are like the same british accent and it's, <laughs> it's kind of hilarious it's also worth noting that your character doesn't talk in KOTOR. So, Which just takes you out of it sometimes. Yeah. And and so like and the your party members don't often talk to each other. So a lot of times it does sound like someone is just talking at you as mm-hmm. the character. Um just because they're they're not responding to something that you said, really. I I will <laughs> I will say it was funny how uh, they do the voices for all the different species that don't speak English in in here. So there's people doing Wookiee voices. There's people doing uh, I forget the I forget the race that's doing the that voice. Yeah, the Rodians. The Rodians. Yeah, like Greedo. It kind of kind of funny how like some of those characters do that voice, and then you'll go talk to another one of those. Would you say the Rodians? You'll talk to another Rodian and it will just sound like me. It'll be like, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's going on? Uh, yeah, it's one of those things like I I, I appreciate it because it is on, on a scale at that time. It's incredible because yeah. it's like there there's so many voices. There's so many characters that you can interact with. Some of it's just like, oh, nice little quick conversation. Some of it's like you can talk to this guy for like 15 minutes. And, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, some of it not great. Like the, you could definitely tell there were it was a wide range of voice talent for this particular game. Yeah, that particular like Rodian voice only has like 
like two or three lines too that just repeat they alternate mm-hmm. back and forth um but uh the wookies sound good whoever was doing the wookie voices they gave their all it sounds great there's a i don't know what the species of yodas is called but uh there's, i can't remember yeah there's there's one of them they sound like a a, a little yoda dude and um yeah uh also want to shout out something I think is great and um, something that I think is really important for Star Wars media, which is um, sound effects and music. Mm. Uh, obviously, music in Star Wars is super iconic and um, just using Star Wars music and little Star Wars, you know, little musical stings as you, a scene opens or something like that. Uh, it all sounds great. And then Star Wars is full of iconic sound effects, uh, the lightsabers, um, Star Wars blasters sound like Star Wars blasters. Um, Wookiees, TIE fighters, all of these iconic sounds are perfect. And that ki- that stuff really sets like the, there's like this intangible like, oh, this is Star Wars. And I think sound plays like a huge part in that. No, I agree. I, I think it, when you talk about immersion, that is one of the things I think that can get you immersed into Star Wars so quickly mm-hmm. is those familiar sound effects and just like instantly you're like yes that this is a star wars game to be honest um you know so i played after this game after kotor and kotor 2 you know they did jade empire i played a little bit of it it was cool i just you know didn't play a ton of it mm-hmm. but when mass effect came out i was like okay here we go like a high a better version of kotor let's go i couldn't get into it and i a big part of that was the lacking of familiarity with like the the comfort stuff of Star Wars, which is a lot of the sound effects, yeah, and you know, so it just it was hard for me to get into it because I'm like, well, uh, you know, the blasters don't sound like I think a blaster should sound and things like that. So yeah, yeah, I know that's weird to say, but yeah, that that was one of the things that made it tough for me. Well, it is. I mean, like you and I have grown up with Star Wars is like a big part of our lives, and so the sound effects that are accompany it and the music that accompanies it, like. When you boot up KOTOR for the first time and you start a new game, you get the big text scrawl at the beginning, just like uh, mm-hmm. one of the movies. And as soon as that starts, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm at home here. Yeah. Chewie, we're home. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, aesthetically, I think that like some parts have aged better than others. But I think the stuff that really matters, I think they did get right uh, more often than not. What one of the little touches, and I, I wasn't really sure where else to to add this, but one of the really touches that I really like is the um, ability to pick your lightsaber color outside oh, yeah. of just like green or blue. Like right. I, the fact that you could get purple or you could get you know yellow or you know that that was a really cool thing that made it feel more of a personal Star Wars because I'm able to make the choice of well. What if I want a purple lightsaber or mm-hmm. a yellow lightsaber? And you could do that. So I, I, that's just one of those small things that really, you know, it's the dream everybody had. It's like if you could, you know, nowadays, I mean, you can go to Galaxy's Edge and make a lightsaber or order a lightsaber from a billion websites. But uh-huh. in in two thousand three, we wanted to make our own yeah. lightsaber. And the cool. um, the new Star Wars games, the the Jedi Survivor and stuff, is like you can do whatever the hell you want with your lightsaber, which is pretty great. It's pretty like, sick. that is one of the one of the things that pulls it in closer for me. What uh? What color did you go with? Purple. Pur- yeah, me too. Got to go like my man Mace Windu. Uh, purple's my favorite color. So yeah, anytime I get a chance, uh, you know, it's all purple. Purple is like one of my like top favorite colors too. And I I think Mace Windu plays a 
pretty significant <laughs> role in that. Yeah. <laughs> you know why he chose the purple lightsaber? Because he um he wanted to have a color that no one else had, right? Mm-hmm. It's because the uh, he knew that they were doing the big fight scene at the end of Attack of the Clones where there's, you know, it's Obi-Wan and Anakin. They're rescuing them and there's a bunch of Jedi fighting battle droids. Yeah. And he wanted to make sure that you could tell who was who he was in mm-hmm. the battle. So he wanted to stand out from the blue and the green. And that's why he has purple because yeah. he's talking to George Lucas and he's like, you know, and George Lucas is like, oh, you know, good, good guys have uh, blue and green <laughs> and uh, bad guys have red. And he's like, what about purple? And George Lucas was like, I think we could do purple. Yeah. So, yeah, that's literally why purple lightsabers are a thing, because uh, Sam Jackson was just like, what about purple? Yeah. <laughs> And his lightsaber has bad motherfucker engraved on it. Yes, it does. (laughs) Which is the best thing. Uh, God bless Sam Jackson. A gem. A gem of a man. So the gameplay in KOTOR is based on the Wizards of the Coast Star Wars role-playing game, uh, which is itself based on Dungeons & Dragons 3rd edition. So um, it's not as like directly D&D as Baldur's Gate, but it is based on D&D. It's based on dice rolls. It's based on, you know, the length of an attack round and how many attacks you get per round and stuff like that. It is real time with pause combat. So you kind of issue commands and everything plays out in real time. You can pause it at any time to change what you want a character to be doing or to like queue up an ability or something like that. Um, I want to point out because on my Baldur's Gate episodes, I kind of like, I I didn't trash them for having bad combat, but I did Mm. kind of trash them for not trying to teach people who don't know D&D. Because in Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, they're like, if you if you don't know the rules, good luck. Read the entire manual or something. Yeah, it, it's it's brutal. It, it's, it's If you're familiar with second edition D&D, it's like, it's, it's great for you, uh, but not for me. KOTOR, though, is much more streamlined, much simpler, like extremely simple compared to Baldur's Gate uh, 1 and 2 and 3, uh, for that matter. Uh, so for people who don't have history with D&D, you can just jump into KOTOR and learn the combat and you'll be just fine. Yeah, I think they do a pretty decent job of explaining it to you, introducing it to you. They they bring you along relatively slowly in terms of, you know, difficulty for battles. And, you know, here's where you would use a grenade in battle. Here's where a ranged person would be useful. Like, they really do a good job. Like, the, the very, very opening part of the game when you're on the ship before you go to Terrace, I think does a great job of yeah. kind of laying out like this is how you play. This is how you use the abilities. This is the importance of using and unlocking certain abilities. So they do a really good job. So I don't I don't think like anybody would just not understand how to play if you start at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And it's it's so simplified compared again to Baldur's Gate where you'll have like hundreds of spells that you Maybe you don't need to memorize all of them, but you're going to come across, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of spells across the course of a game. In KOTOR, there's like 
I don't know, 15 abilities that you can like learn and then upgrade throughout the entire game, which I think yeah. is too simple uh, in the grand scheme of things. There's there's basically like your ranged fighters, your melee fighters, and your droids. They all have like their own version of the same five abilities, basically. Yeah. So it, it ends up being a little bit too simple for me, but I do appreciate that they're like, hey, we're going to put this on consoles. We want to reach the Star Wars audience, not just the D&D audience. We got to make sure people can play this. And they did that, at least. Yeah. I, I do think if you didn't have force abilities in this game, like if you were not playing a, a character who gets to use the force, yeah, the combat would be mind numbing and would be terrible oh, yeah. because there's Awful. just no flavor to it other than, well, <laughs> I did my power attack. I guess I'll do quick attack. And you still do a lot of that even as yeah. a Jedi, but at least you can sprinkle in abilities here and there. So it, it is the saving grace. But if you didn't have that, yeah, it would be – it is too simple. They could have gone a little bit more complex or like, uh, you know, to, to quote Star Wars, you know, you could take your first step into a larger world once <laughs> you become a Jedi, but you kind of don't. It's sort of like, here's your force powers. Go for it. And, yeah. and it's just this – you do pretty much the same three or four things every battle. Yeah. Um, you've got your, you know, once you become a Jedi, you get the ability to use uh, cool stuff. Like you can disable droids. You can do lightsaber throws. You can do flurry attacks. Um, you can, if you go to the dark side, you can do like force lightning and mind control and stuff like that. Um, you got your force push and a, a lot of the classic Jedi powers, uh, once you become a Jedi in this game, it's something I think is cool. Like early in the game, you, you're just a dude with a metal sword and a blaster and you're capable during that time. Mm. Yeah. But then like halfway, two thirds of the way through the game, you're a Jedi, you're a force of nature. And I really like that power curve because if I'm a Jedi, I shouldn't struggle in combat fighting some animals or no. Yeah. By the, I think by the time you get to probably your third planet looking for the Star Forge, at that point, you feel pretty badass. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, okay, like I've got enough abilities that things are, are, are relatively easy. Like you said, most, most fights, you're kind of cutting through things, especially, you know, if you've gone like destroy droid and disable droid, like packs of droids, you're like, nothing. I, I got this. And you're just taking them out left and right, which I feel like that's how you should feel. As like playing as a Jedi character, you should feel really strong. Yeah. Except for when you're facing another force using character. So yeah. like the battles with the Sith or the Dark Jedi, those are more challenging, but not like, you know, backbreakingly difficult. It, it's enough of a challenge at that point where you feel engaged in the combat and in the battle, but everything else, they're kind of chumps. Like you're you're just cutting through them. Yeah. It's even more so in the second game. Like once you get further into the second game, especially if you're dark side, it's over. You've beaten the game <laughs> and you've still got 10 hours to play because nothing can threaten you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I got to a point in this game where there was like one combat encounter that I can remember. And it was like a, uh, it's like a security droid or something like that, that wiped my party several times. Um, I, I was able to puzzle my way through that encounter. The rest of the time I was kind of on autopilot with the combat, including mm. in the final boss. Uh, it's just, you get to a point where nothing can really touch you and you can, um, you can just pause it and heal anytime you want. So if you yep. have a bunch of healing items, you're also just going to be fine. 
Yeah. So it's one of those things that you pick up pretty quickly as you go through. You're like, oh, this is what I need to do in terms of healing stuff. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think the only real struggles I would have would be like the surprise fight with a Sith like early on. Like there's I can't I think it's like the first planet that you go to or the second planet. You'll kind of like walk into a room and there's a dark Jedi there and it's you're still really early in the game. So you're not that strong. So that tends to be really tough. But Mm -hmm. as you said, once you get later in, you're just, you're basically unstoppable, especially if you have other Jedi in your party. I was just going to ask you, like you have a bunch of interesting characters. Like you can have a Wookiee and you can have an assault droid, an assassin droid on your team. You have a Mandalorian you can take with you. That's this, you know, these warrior people, did you find any reason to not just roll with three Jedi, though? <sighs> not really. No. no. <laughs> the only reason I would, the only time I don't is when I play the dark side. So I would just have like HK and Candorous and the uh, other droid like T2, T2160 or something like that. But yeah, no, like I like light side three Je- or four Jedi. Nothing stops you because you can like, here's my healer. This guy's going to be my healer and like status buff guy. This person's going to take out droids. This person's going to, you know, be a lightsaber expert. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, uh, there's some points that it's just no, no point to not use the Jedi unless you just really like interacting with certain characters or right. There were a couple of planets where I would be like, you know what? I'm not going to take all the Jedi. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take Zalbar and I'm going to take someone else and just just roll and like try to make this a little bit more interesting because, yeah, like we've said, if you have three Jedi in the party, nothing is really going to stop you. You know, you'll be fine. Especially like because Bastila has some really good abilities. And yeah, by the time. Yeah, there's no point. (laughs) <laughs> the only reason you would oh, carrying like one of the droids is useful because they can unlock doors and stuff yeah. like that. That's kind of the only real reason. Yeah, there are sections in the game, too, where you'll have to take like a specific party or like some people won't be available to you. So mm. then you mix it up then as well. But yeah, why would you why would you not take easily your three most powerful characters with you if you're at all oh, worried yeah. about combat, you know? No, I, I I agree. It's just, yeah. <laughs> the, do yourself a favor. Just take all the Jedi every yep. time. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so again, this I think that this combat feels like Bioware figuring out how to do this real-time with pause combat, this D&D-based combat on consoles, um, as opposed to where they came from with Baldur's Gate. And then as... I I don't remember the second game well enough to say confidently if it's any different in the second game, but definitely when they get to Mass Effect and then Mass Effect 2 in particular, it was like, okay, they they got this. They figured out the console RPG, you know? Yeah, no, there's not a, a huge change from the first game to the second game. A little bit with uh, distance closing abilities, like uh-huh. they they add a little bit more of that. But <laughs> yeah. like your big forced leap, you'll just be like leaping from enemy to enemy, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. But other than that, it's yeah, not really. It's basically the same, almost exact same combat. You just reminded me of um how you leap like in this game that's one of the abilities you unlock it's is the ability terrible. to leap across the entire map when you like start combat with an enemy yeah. and it, it's very funny because it's this is a game from 2003 
Oh yeah, so. it's super super clunky looking. Did you go uh one lightsaber, two single ones or one double one? I I think I went double lightsaber if I remember. I did too. That yep. that's my go-to is double lightsaber which once why wouldn't you? You know, you're going to deal so much more damage with that. Yeah. Um, you can also go like dual wielding lightsabers, which is cool too. And cool and flashy. You get, you know, two different color lightsabers if you want and just go to town. But I always, you know, it's the, uh, it, it's the little kid in me that saw Darth Maul and was like, that's the coolest fucking dude I've ever seen. Yes, this is the, okay. I, I, so, uh, I, I, it's always strange when I tell people this or people, you know, I'm like, I love the Phantom Menace. It is literally one of my favorite Star Wars things ever. And people are like, what? It's terrible. Jar Jar. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That was a Star Wars movie that basically isn't a Skywalker saga movie. Mm -hmm. It's just like, here's Jedi. They're fighting dark Jedi. They're fighting droids. They're just doing their thing. Yeah. Anakin's annoying, but what he doesn't really matter in the, in Phantom Menace. Like it's more Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon story. Uh So, and Darth Maul is literally the coolest star Wars villain next to Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have him tattooed on me. He's so cool. (laughs) Like I, I have, multiple things signed by ray park near me like nice as yeah you see that red lightsaber boom boom you're just like this is the coolest thing i have ever seen in my entire life yep absolutely so uh we transfer that to this game with the double lightsaber for sure got got to yeah um yeah any anything else about the gameplay that we think is worth mentioning no i think it's pretty straightforward and you know it's not yeah there's not a lot super depth wise like some of the force powers get kind of cool particularly the dark side ones because you get like from force lightning you get like force storm or something Mm -hmm. where it's just massive lightning bolts are striking all the enemies in the area but again like that yeah it's just so late in the game by the time you would actually get that ability that yeah it's you're okay without that stuff because you've you've gotten to that point. Yeah, it's like you've gone this far. You're, you're this is just icing on the cake at this point. It is pretty cool that the dark side power. Like we talked about how from a role playing perspective, the dark side playthrough is a little bit of a letdown. But from a combat and power fantasy perspective, the dark side. Of course, the dark side gets to have all the fun. Yeah, I, I think if you didn't do that, there would be no reason to do it. Right. Like if you didn't have like, well, I get this cool thing, you know, I get to basically be just the tornado of lightning bolts. Then exactly. Why, you know, why would you do it? So uh, let's get into some uh, wrap-up thoughts here and uh, answer the question, who would we recommend play Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic in 2023? Honestly, I think if you're a Star Wars fan, like more so than just like a casual, like, oh yeah, I I watch some of the movies, like, it's fine. No, I think if you're somebody who you're watching every new episode of every Star Wars show, like the day it comes out on Disney+, Plus, you've seen the movie several times, like if you're like a legitimate fan, I, I think this is one you want to check out. You know, if it, if it's some for some reason slipped by you, I, I think you should definitely try it just because especially with, you know, the work that Dave Filoni has done, because he draws a lot from he, he's drawn stuff from the Old Republic and and has put it in the new shows and, and 
it's great. So I think if you're a if you're a Star Wars fan, it's it's a thousand percent worth a play. But if you don't love Star Wars, I don't think this is a game for you. It's not in 2023. I think from just like across the board combat, uh, gameplay, um, visuals. I don't think there's enough there that if you don't love Star Wars, that would make you go, yeah, this is fun. The characters are interesting. The story is great. But I don't think that's enough if you're not a Star Wars fan. Because if you're not, you're just going to be like, what, who cares about this, this Jedi person? Like, whatever. Like, what's the big deal? Um, yeah. So if if you are a, a, a fan, a must, a, it's a must play. Like or or a must watch. Like go watch like a, a supercut or something of of some of the story. But I would highly recommend playing it because the experience of it is is so great. Yeah, your character goes on, you know, a, a little. Um, I, I mean, we'll talk about a little bit in the spoiler section. But your character does go on a bit of a, a classic hero's journey in here. So being a part of that as you know, video games as an interactive medium give you a chance to take part in that. And so for me personally, that is lost if I just watch something on YouTube. Agreed. And like this game's combat, like we said, is streamlined to the point where if you're not normally a Bioware RPG person, uh, if you don't know a lot about D&D, you'll be fine. This is not a super difficult game to um, get the hang of. But I do agree with you that like, it's an obvious recommendation for Star Wars fans who never played it uh, because like we kind of touched on a little bit and we'll get in further in the spoiler section. Uh, this game does a really cool job of like really digging into things that you already knew about star Wars, but not to the level that like this story will take you to, mm. uh, which is very cool. But if you don't care about the life of a Jedi, and if you don't care about how easy it is to fall to the dark side, um, and if you don't, care about the history of um you know the old sith lords and stuff like that then i don't know that this game is going to give you a great story outside of that stuff it is a star wars ass story yeah i i I think if you aren't already in it's not going to make you come in because you're going to be like this is a lot of it'll just sound like like i said it'll just sound like nonsense to you because Mm -hmm. you're just like what are these what is this so yeah if you're not already a fan I don't think it'll make you one because I think I think it's so much and so in depth that it's a little off putting if you're not a fan. Yeah, the the Star Wars movies are for getting everybody into Star Wars for the first time. And then like this game is like, okay, so you love the movies. Let's go deeper, you know? Yeah, this this really is the like you want more and you want to go deep. Come on in. Yeah. You know, but if you again, if you ain't there, it's not going to jive with you. Yep. Which is what you would expect from uh, this is Bioware at the peak of their powers in the the early 2000s and continuing on a little bit as the Mass Effect and Dragon Age series uh, went. Uh, Bioware is in a pretty unfortunate spot at this point in time in 2023. Uh, but if yes. I guess if you're like, I really loved Mass Effect and like maybe you loved Baldur's Gate back in the day and you liked how Bo- uh, Bioware made their RPGs, then that would be another person to uh, check out KOTOR as well. because. You know, a lot of those standard Bioware game design things, they're they're in this game, too. Yeah. For that sense, it's certainly cool. Like if you're a big Mass Effect fan, it's cool to probably spend a couple hours with this just so you can see like, oh, I see where this started, you know. Um, 
But if you're not, man, you're just if you're not a fan, it's going to be hard. Yeah, especially on Terrace, where you're going to be like, I don't give a shit about yeah. any of this. Where are my? Where's this lightsaber? Where's my force power? Yeah, I, I was going to give the the general recommendation for everyone who's thinking about playing Kotor that like, yeah, everyone. I don't think I've talked to anyone who's like, I fucking love Terrace, you know? So <laughs> no one we get it. Like it kind of sucks. It's if you push through it, like the cool stuff starts coming more and more after that. Um, but it's, everyone's it's kind of basically in agreement. immediately. Like yeah. you get off Terrace. It's like instant, like good stuff. Yeah. But it's like, everyone's just kind of in agreement. Like, yeah, you got to push through that early part where it seems like nothing cool is ever going to happen. So yeah, or you got to really look for the cool stuff like the the bounty hunter fight or not the bounty hunter fight, but like there's like a fight club fight pit that you can do. Yeah, that's kind of cool. The swoop racing is cool. The, the um, people down in the sewers like they have interesting stories. There's a guy mm-hmm. down there who's like hundreds of years old, but looks like he's, you know, a regular person for some reason. Like there's little mini stories down there that are kind of interesting. But like you're playing this because you want to be a Jedi. So everyone in the back of their heads like fuck man when when's it gonna happen yeah and and that is kind of the bummer because they put so much care and love into like making you know like i i don't know if you did it but did you make like the the cure for ragul disease or whatever yep yeah like that's a really long quest line and like a lot that you can do and you can really have like all those people of the undercity you can help we're gonna help you guys move to a better place and it's like really cool but again you're like when do I get the lightsaber? Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a bummer in that regard. Where, yeah. uh, it's great stuff, but holy shit, cut it in half. <laughs> I was told that there would be lightsabers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you put a lot of that stuff on the other side of becoming a Jedi, way better. Yeah. <laughs> way better. Yeah. So um, it, it is a, uh, a qualified recommendation, but it is a good game. And I think that like, you know, a lot of people go to KOTOR for the story and the story does hold up. It is really good. So worth Mm. playing if you're interested in that um mick tell people about uh anything that you want to tell them about because you are a a man of many talents um, around gaming and voice acting and twitch streaming and all kinds of stuff so talk about what you do well, I am part of a, speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. I am part of a D&D troupe uh, on Twitch called Playotic Games, mm-hmm. uh, and we play a variety of stuff. Um, I've DM'd a couple of uh, campaigns. I'm actually wrapping up one by the time this comes out. Uh, I will be done. But I'm running a Star Wars 5e campaign right now. Oh, uh, our, our last episode is actually next week. So, um, But that was cool. Uh, I ran a Final Fantasy 5e campaign for a, a few months there, which was a lot of fun. We do a lot of one-shots. We do a lot of stuff to raise money for charity. Uh, we, we do a lot of stuff, and it's a really good time. We've got a lot of really talented individuals that are there. So that is one of the biggest things that I do. In addition to that, I am a professional voice actor, which means you can hire me to voice something for your project. <laughs> Whatever it may be, reach on out to me and I will more than happily talk to you about it. Um, but uh, you can hear me regularly playing uh, psychopaths, murderers and old men on Doorway <laughs> to Nightmare. Always old men. I don't know what it is. I, 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 I get typecast a lot. I play psychos, serial killers and really old people. Um, no idea why, but you can hear that on Doorway to Nightmare, which is on YouTube. It's a horror series where it's all sorts of short form horror and mystery stories. I voice a variety of voices there. Um, 
I also voice a werewolf in an ongoing uh, werewolf series uh, called Renegade Shadow, which you can find at Rhonda Parker's uh, YouTube channel, Words by Parker. I was also part of the novelette that she did uh, called Endgame, which was a zombie story. And I voiced a couple of people in that, which was really cool. Uh, I've got a couple of things that I'm working on that I can't talk about because I signed an NDA. But okay. Oh, yeah, hopefully uh, <laughs> I can talk about them uh, sooner than later. But one thing that I can talk about is right now I'm in the process of working on uh, – I hate to call it a short film because I don't think that that accurately describes what it is. But I am in the process of working on a film project right now. It is going to be a slasher movie, very heavily inspired by movies from the 80s that are slasher movies. So it is a horror project and I'm writing it, directing it and doing – God knows what else with it because wearing many hats with that one. But that's something that I'm in the process of working on. Sick. Hopefully I'll be shooting that uh, early next year. That's the plan because there's a lot of work and uh, stuff going into it. But keep a lookout on for that. Um, and I'm about to become a dad. So that's cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he does have – he uh, he has a Star Wars name. Ooh. Uh, Yes, his name is Dante Rex. His middle name is Rex. So oh, yeah. He, awesome. He's got a Star Wars character name. So, yeah. that's. I just wanted to say that I'm coming to dad. had <laughs> nothing to do with anything, but I, that's another thing that I did. So, But it, it also has everything to do with everything. So, yeah. Yes. Congrats, man. Thank you. It's very exciting. He will be, he will be here before I know it. Yeah. Uh, by the time this episode comes out. So, <laughs> by the time yeah, people hear this. Yeah, I was going to say. This, he's yeah. going to be here in like three weeks. So, Awesome. Um, yeah, everyone who's listening, uh, really recommend checking out the stuff that, uh, that Mick does. Uh, you can go on the, uh, play out games, YouTube channel and check out that star Wars campaign. If you want to, um, Oh yeah. The you thing watch is there. Oh, and I'm on Twitch as well at Mick arcade. Yeah. Twitch. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, I haven't been streaming as much lately. I, I'm trying to get back into it. You know, I, I, it's, I, I need more time. Yeah. That's what it is. I need more time and I'm about to have a whole lot less of it. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you can, uh, go, uh, go follow Mick on Twitch. Uh, always entertaining stuff. Um, check down in the show notes for links for all of the stuff that was just listed there. And, uh, in the next minute or so, when I'm talking about myself, you can, uh, tune me out because you heard me say the same stuff last week and you can go check out the stuff that Mick is doing. Highly recommended. Uh, so, Now's the time to start clicking around because if you want to support Tales from the Backlog, I would really appreciate it if you would um, help me spread the word, uh, whether it's sharing on social media, telling people in Discord servers that you're in, stuff like that. It's really helpful. Um, I am very proud of the show and I hope people enjoy it. People seem to enjoy it. So uh, why not tell I someone enjoy you enjoy it? Yeah. Um, if you want to support monetarily, it is patreon.com slash Jackson where for just a couple bucks a month, you can vote in polls for what games I do on the show. Uh, you'll get some bonus content. Higher tiers have extra rewards, including my retro gaming monthly show called Tales from the Way Backlog, uh, <laughs> which is uh, a lot of fun uh, if anyone knows me and my proclivities toward retro gaming. Um, you can also leave a rating and review if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podcast Addict. It's highly appreciated. And my other podcast is called a top three podcast where uh, we've done some Star Wars stuff or some topics that have Star Wars conversations. We did uh, we do top three lists on that show. We did top three fictional vehicles, which could have just been a Star Wars uh, topic. Um, we did top three fictional battles, 
which included some Star Wars stuff. Again, could have focused on Star Wars there if we wanted to. So if you want to hear me talk about stuff that's not games, that's the place. So Mick and I are going to take a break. And when we come back, full spoiler time for Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Okay, Mick and I are back, and it is full spoiler time for Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, this is, if you're listening to this because you tuned out or you're enjoying the music too much, uh, the real fucking spoilers are starting. So get out if you don't want to be spoiled on basically the most famous thing about the game that you probably already heard that this is here. But, you know, anyway, starting now. So... Uh, This game's probably most famous thing other than... No, this probably is the most famous thing. Yeah, I'd I'd say so. Yeah, the twist that um, you are not just a random dude who is, uh, you know, mysteriously great at using the Force. Um, We mentioned earlier that Darth Revan had disappeared, and it turns out that that's you. You are Darth Revan, and you have been brainwashed by the Jedi to basically forget who you are and then they probably hope that they can use you for their own uh, means because you forgot who you were, but you did not lose any of your power in the force. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about this. The first time you played this, did you see this coming? Not at all. Me. I never saw it coming whatsoever. I think they do such a good job of it's not even misdirect. There's just like, no real hint that you are Revan. Um, there's nobody who's like, you look familiar. Like that never happens because, well, Revan wears a mask. So you don't know what Revan looks like. Revan could be a man. Revan could be a woman. They could be an alien. Like no one knows. And when you see the flashbacks of Revan, which are very few and far between, again, no, no real hint that it might be you you're just like yeah no i'm a soldier in the republic whatever yeah like yeah so i I, it's done really well (laughs) i'm a special boy i'm a video game protagonist of course i'm good at the force i think that's kind of what what it does is it it hides it enough because you're like well i'm the main character of course i'm good like why uh, like i could be a jedi like but there's nothing that hints to it really I, i well hold on i say that there's probably a couple of things like mostly like the way the Jedi council treats you like, yeah. in particular, like one member is a giant dick to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can maybe think that was a little weird, but you could also be like, man, this guy's a dickhead. <laughs> like, yeah. So um, my first time playing it, I was blindsided by this. I thought it was like the coolest thing that had ever happened mm-hmm. in a video game story. Um, and so like, it was really interesting replaying it this time because I know the twist. So like there's some, pieces of media that rely on a twist to make you like it. You know, like this twist was really fucking crazy. Therefore I enjoyed the entire experience because I was just blindsided by this. And so I was wondering like, is KOTOR one of those? Is it a good story without the twist? And the answer is yes, I think. Mm -hmm. And the other question I had was, okay, so now I know there's a twist. Do they leave you some breadcrumbs that, because you just have the mentality that I'm a video game protagonist, 
uh, all of this makes sense because I'm the main character and you just ignore all the stuff that's there. And there's a lot that's there. It's cool, but it's nothing so obvious that like I at least ever questioned any of it because yeah. we're, we're so used to everything revolving around us. Yeah, I I think that's what makes it work. It's one of those things that, like you said, it's one of I think like about the sixth sense with that movie. When you know the twist of it, which I won't spoil, just in case nobody's seen a <laughs> movie from 1996 that is the most spoiled thing in the world. But exactly, um, when you watch that movie and you know the twist, you can really pick stuff up like super easy the second time, mm-hmm. and then almost to a point where like there's really no point in watching it more than twice because it's after that it's it's not that great of a movie that it justifies it but as you said with this i think there is a lot of replayability even knowing that and man i i'm trying to think i'm like did i were there any breadcrumbs that i picked up i'm i miss them every time yeah so um what i picked up on again i'm playing this i'm taking podcast notes while i'm playing and stuff like that um the jedi council you mentioned like there's a couple characters that mention how uh odd it is that you go to the Jedi home planet and immediately get an audience with the Jedi council. Like, yeah, Karth is like, Hey man, what the fuck? Like no one just goes, talk, goes and talks to them. Like what's going on with you? Who are you? What's up? And you're like, well, I don't know. I'm a video game protagonist. They want to talk to me because it's my turn. Yeah. (laughs) It's what I do. Um, there are, um, a couple of the Starforge map areas where they have like security systems that they're like, Oh, right this way, sir. Like, you know, Revan yeah. built that stuff. So, uh, but even that was not obvious enough for me. It was like, Oh, you know, I'm a powerful Jedi. They let me in cause I'm strong in the force or something like that. Um, and it's, it's only like in like the hour or so leading up to when they actually tell you where characters will talk to you and they'll be like, you don't remember what's going on do you and by that point maybe you're starting to get a little clue i wasn't no i i think they they cover their tracks well enough because like the thing with the jedi and your ability and force i seem to remember they say it's because you and bastila have an unexplained connection in the Uh force like you're a dyad essentially uh, in the force so if i remember correctly that was why because for some reason the instant you meet her she's like i feel our we are connected in the force and Mm -hmm. blah 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 so you're just like of course because i'm i'm a video game protagonist yeah and I'm a special boy. So like they, they, they sprinkle stuff, but they also like give you the, uh, you know, at face value reason of like, oh, well, because you're, you saved her and, and then she got connected to you or whatever. And you're like, ah, of course, cause I'm, you know, it's what I do as yeah. a video game protagonist. Yeah, exactly. Um, w- one other thing I think is really one of the keys to like keeping you off the trail, I think of this is, um, your character has amnesia in this game but it is not a story about your character recovering their lost memories like so many stories about characters with amnesia are yeah you have conversations where someone might ask you about where you came from you're like i don't know i i woke up on the ship um i can't remember but it's not like go to this place and you might find something to unlock your lost memories like no one gives you those quests did you play like i was thinking about planescape torment did you play that uh, yes, it's been a while though. Yeah. In, in that game, your character is an amnesiac and there's a lot of stuff about rec- like finding 
who you were and what you did and how you know these people. It's one of the main um, focuses of the uh, the story in that game. And it's really cool, but that is what like a main part of that game is about. And in this game, your character just happens to not remember. It's not like uh, you're just a dude, basically, who doesn't remember yeah. where you came from. But again, it's not like you need to go to Kashyyyk because there's an artifact there that might unlock your memories. No one gives you that stuff. So you're not constantly thinking about your own backstory. You're thinking about, I got to get these star maps and I got to catch up to Malik and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. I, I remember there's like, I believe it's when you're on Terrace, there's a conversation where Karth is, you're, you're asking Karth questions and trying to get to know him. And he asks you something and it sort of changes depending on what your class is. Like if you're a scout, or if you're a soldier or whatever. And your answer is just really something vague. Like, oh, I'm a soldier in the Republic. I served blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, I'm a scout for the Republic. Like it's something that's just so mundane and vague. Like mm-hmm. you don't even really go into detail because again, it's like, well, I have to be like a faceless protagonist because, you know, I could be a man. I could be a woman. I could be, you know, a soldier. I could be a scout. I could be, you know, whatever the case may be. So yeah. it. Again, it's nothing that makes you go like, oh, wait, until like right before you find out. And then it's like bashing you over the head like something's amiss. Yeah, it's interesting. You you bring up Karth uh, because Karth, Karth is a dick to you for most of the game. And part of the reason why he's a dick is because you're getting all this special treatment that no one should get. And yeah. he's he's like uh, he's like dumbfounded by how everyone's treating you when you're supposed to be just like this regular dude. And he's like, I'm a war hero too. Like, yeah, you know? he's like, I do things. <laughs> you don't do things like I do, Karth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what happened was there was a big, um, battle and I, I think that's why you have that connection with Bastila is because she yeah, was because of in the that. battle meditation. She actually defeated um, I, I yeah, she was using her battle meditation, and Malik fired on Revan's ship, betraying him. Uh, and basically, Revan got knocked out, and Bastil was able to. I, I think she's why yeah. your memory is like clouded or wiped or whatever. Um, so that's why you're connected in the Force together. Yeah, and then the and then the Jedi, uh, basically like fully wiped you to make sure that um, I guess you know protect the galaxy from one of the strongest Sith, but also they're like, Hey, he lost his memories. Maybe we can yeah. use him. And he was a Jedi at one point. Yeah. So. Um, so this kind of like sets up, you find out that you're the missing Sith Lord. Um, and you now have the choice. Like it, it's presented more to you as a choice here than earlier in the game where it's like, do you want to be a dick to people or do you want to be nice to people? Now they're like, do you want to continue working against Malik and try to take down the Sith? Or uh, do you want to just say, fuck the Jedi for what they did and go back to the dark side? And it's this kind of sets up that, that choice because they show you that like, Hey, the Jedi are doing some, some war crimes here. And (laughs) how do you want to react to that? Yeah, I, I think that's what makes it interesting because before the before you find out that you were Revan, you were the Dark Lord of the Sith, the you know, the the big bad head honcho, it is just the well, I guess you can be an asshole to people yeah. if you want credits, if you want. But now it's it's an actual choice. And it is one of those things of you can legitimately be mad at the Jedi because it's 
pretty like you said it's they're basically committing a war crime like yeah. they are using you as a weapon with your in your amnesiac state uh to try and control what you do so you have that ability to say either yes or no so that's it's cool when you get to look at like the dark side choices from that lens um but it's still a little while before you find out that you're Revan. So by this point, you've probably already decided to go one way or the other just based on like force abilities. Yeah. And, you know, role playing, too. But this at least gives you an interesting reason to go to the yeah. dark side where if you're if you're role playing or if you're just, you know, if you're someone who's playing this and you're like, you know, I can take the take or leave the Jedi. They're not my religion or anything like yeah. that. So now they're presenting them as uh complicated uh doing bad things controlling people manipulating people uh you are justified if you want to if you want to go to the dark side or if you just want to say hey fuck both sides like i don't yeah i i will fight the dark side but i am not um i'm not on board with everything the jedi are doing yeah, which it, I think is the canonical ending. Revan disappears okay. after the Star Forge. It's like Revan just completely disappears. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things of you basically go light side, but then you're like, nah, fuck the Jedi, I'm out of here. Like, that's sort of what appears to happen. And I just like... I, I talked about this in the non-spoiler part, but this is what I meant when I said, or this is one of the things that I that I was, you know, thinking of when I was talking about how it kind of portrays the Jedi in a different way than we're used to in the movies and stuff like that. It wasn't really until, um, in my opinion, the sequel trilogy when you start to see, um, you know, the the Jedi and the um the villains, I guess the Sith with Kylo Ren being portrayed in like a more nuanced way. Yeah. In the prequels, they, you know, they showed that the Jedi aren't perfect because they fucked up the whole Anakin thing, but the emperor in the prequels is still the emperor, this, you know, cackling evil maniac. Whereas like in the sequel trilogy, they actually give you a good character in Kylo Ren, in my opinion. Um, And it's, it's like also in this game, they portray this with a lot more nuance than we had been used to, I guess, if you played this in 2003. Yeah, I, I think I think Kylo's portrayal and the struggle with the dark side is super interesting because it does provide that depth and nuance. You don't get that with the dark side in this game because yeah. it is like, I'll kill you and take your credits. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, but, you know, that's the difference in almost 20 years of time and and writing and stuff there. But no, I I agree. I think it wouldn't just be like a, yes, I'm evil (laughs) all the time. Like, no, it is one of those things. And and you see it with a couple of different characters like Johanny's like that, Uh um, where she struggled with Jedi expectation and fell to the dark side because of it. But then you talk to her and make her realize like, no, you know, I can come back from this, which is interesting because you like, I think, is it was Jahani's master or somebody that worked with Jahani? They fall to the dark side and go to um, the academy on Korriban. Oh, like okay. they, yeah, which was a nice little cool touch. Or like Jolie, he 
becomes disillusioned with like the politics of the Jedi Council and yeah. just all their nonsense. And he's like, forget this. I'm going to go live in like <laughs> the deepest, darkest forest on Kashyyyk and nobody will bother me. And yeah. I'm like, relatable. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot that they did in the sequel trilogy that was really good with Kylo Ren's character. And I'm sure some people are punching their <laughs> listening devices. I say that, but it's true. Like, it, villains don't always need to be like, ha, 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 you know, like, no, they can have a little bit of depth because ultimately, like, Kylo was not a villain. You know, he was somebody who couldn't handle the pressures and felt betrayed, yep. which sort of Darth Revan, same same thing. Yeah, this this game shows you multiple people who could not handle the pressure of being a Jedi and either fell completely to the dark side, like with Jahani, or just said, hey, fuck all this. I'm going to yep. go live in the jungle, like Jolie. Which bless him yeah (laughs) love love to have just like a cranky old man as uh, a party character whereas again the jedi are always portrayed in this like very uptight professional manner and jolie's like yeah i can use the force but like hey this shit sucks it sucks on both sides (laughs) it's terrible and bastila has the same thing too you know Mm -hmm. she has that uh and and she falls at one point through the in the game you know she falls to the dark side largely because she crumbles under the pressure of i have this super powerful ability the jedi requires and they depend on me and they need me to use this ability fuck them why am i doing this for that like it really is that just that that's sort of the feel like a big theme in this game is just struggling under expectation and pressure yeah you know you're expected to be a jedi you're expected to be this like perfect zen master but like none of the Jedi we see in the entire game are that. Yeah. Like not even the Jedi counsels that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's how strict and how like impossible the standards are for someone to be like a, a perfect Jedi knight, basically. Yeah. And so uh, everyone basically f- crumbles in their own way. I was going to ask you about Bastila in particular because her turn kind of caught me by surprise until I started doing a little bit more thinking and a little bit of research about like, why did this actually happen? It felt like um, maybe it would have been fleshed out more if I talked to her more on the ship. There was, I probably didn't talk to her as much as I possibly could have, Yeah, but it seemed like you were like, Bastila's on our team. Everything's cool. And then you get to this point, Bastila's evil now, you know? Yeah, I so it's one of those things of like the more you talk to her and the more you interact with her, you do kind of realize like, oh, she's been struggling a long time and she's not she has not mastered her emotions. I think the idea is like part of her battle meditation is the reason why like the thing that she can do and that like gives her the strength is the reason why. But more so because she and Revan connected, some of what he was goes into her. Okay. Like, it's sort of that, like, she was able to see things clearer because of, like, connecting through Revan. And because he was falling to the dark side, she understood and, you know, like, uh, you know, gave into her emotion, essentially. Because there is that romance there, too, with with her. Yeah. It's the, like giving into your emotion or feeling regular human emotions is something that like Jedi are not supposed to do. And it's, yeah, it's part of that like unattainable Zen state that very few like Jedi could ever, you know, do basically. 
Um, there's a side quest with Bastila where you, uh, you meet her mom and like learn about her family life. And it's another thing like Jedi are not supposed to have ties to the outside world because those are all, you know, influences that could steer them down the wrong path or something like that. But if you just think about that for a second, like the expectation that you're going to cut off everybody you've ever known and loved in order to join this organization and basically like live as a husk without mm-hmm. feeling all the range of human emotions and all of that stuff. Like it hit me by surprise in the moment when Bastila turned, but then like thinking about it, talking about it a little bit, I'm like, yeah, it kind of makes sense with her too. She's basically Anakin Skywalker. Like when you look at Bastila, like she's super powerful, like, you know, she's emotional. She didn't cut off her, you know, pre-Jedi relationships. Like, she's Anakin Skywalker, basically. Yeah. Um, the only difference is she comes back, or can come back to the light side. Yeah, if you want her to, she can come back. Um, I also would uh, really recommend anyone listening to this, check out Noah Caldwell Gervais' um, like two or three hour long video essay, which walks through both KOTOR games along the steps of the hero's journey because uh, Star Wars media follows the hero's journey super closely, like to the point where um, Noah points out a couple of points where it's like, if you study the hero's journey, you will know when someone is like purposely following each step to a T. And there's a couple points in this game where it is like that. And Bastila's turn is one of those things. So like, it kind of makes sense because at this point in the hero's journey, someone's got to turn basically and be like an ally becomes an enemy or something like that. So that kind of made sense from a writing perspective. But I do think that the, the other work as far as her struggling with being a Jedi was there too. I think we touched on it a little bit in the non-spoiler part, but I, I think we cut something for spoilers. What else is noteworthy about doing a dark side playthrough? The biggest thing is um, when you get to uh, Rakata Prime, I think, the, the basically the, the beach planet before the Star Forge. Yeah. Um, where that is where you, you encounter evil Bastila, you fight her, you can defeat her, uh, as a light side user, and she, um, I can't remember if she comes back there or she doesn't come back into the Star Forge. I think it might be the Star Forge where she yeah. returns. But if you're on the dark side, she comes back then. Like she's all on board. And because you're, ba- yeah, it's basically the the Darth Vader moment, you know, join me and together for Vite the Emperor. Like it's that <laughs> moment, and you're just kind of like, yeah, we're going to fucking kill Malak and take control of the Star Forge. And at that point, Jolie, Jahani, Karth and Mission all are like, nope, not <laughs> happening, and they all turn on you. Um, and do you have to fight it, them? You do. 
one of the things that you can do as well to get even more dark side points because Zalbar will not fight you. He has sworn a life debt to you, yeah. so he won't fight you. He does literally whatever you tell him to do. You can tell him to kill Mission. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it, like, which is the most dark side grim thing that you can do. Um, so you kill Jahani, you kill Jolie, you kill Mission. The two droids, they're on your side no matter what because – well, one, HK is all about, he's about that action boss. Like he is he, he all was, in. He was Revan's droid. That was one of the, um, the mm-hmm. clues that you, you probably over that you, I, everyone probably overlooks is that HK is like, Hey, I like you, but it, it turns out he was Revan's assassin droid. So that's yeah, why he his likes memory. You. You're regathering his memory as you're going along too. Mm-hmm. So he didn't remember everything. Uh, and then the other one who doesn't talk, you know, again, it's just a droid who's going to do what you say. Yeah. Candorous is that guy who's like, whatever, like there, there are so many, you know, sometimes good people do bad things. Sometimes bad people do good things. Like, you're strong. You're powerful. He's a Mandalorian. If you've built up like a good rapport with him, he's on. He's in. Like whatever. Like mm-hmm. he's going to follow you forever because he was. Res- and in conversations with him, you find out he respects Revan. Like that. That's one of the things because Revan was like a hero of the Mandalorian War and was just like a great leader and a great warrior. So Candorus respects him yeah. because of that. Mm-hmm. So he's all in. But yeah, the other the other characters. Um, they turn on you and you kill them, except for Karth, who runs like a little bitch. Like you get to a point where you almost kill him and he just bolts and like runs away. And I'm just like, what? That is the most Karth thing to do. If, if it hasn't uh-huh. been obvious throughout this whole episode, Karth is my least favorite character in this game. He's just he's insufferable. Like even when you get to know him better, he's still insufferable and a yeah. dickhead. And just yeah, he's just not a great character, in my opinion. I, I like like I, we talked about, he's one of the people who's like, hey, this doesn't make sense that the Jedi are just going to welcome you with open arms. Like, I like his role in that. But like, yeah, do I want to spend time talking with him on the ship? No, not really. No, he's just he's abrasive and just not interesting and like never really tries to be like almost every conversation ends with him being like there. OK, are you happy? Yeah. You've asked me a lot. Now I'm done. Like, he's just, like, always that guy. And it's just like, oh, my God, dude, you're terrible. Thankfully, it's the last time Bioware really had, like, sort of that secondary main character who's an insufferable piece of shit the whole game. <laughs> Thankfully. Um, yeah, because, like, in the se- in KOTOR 2, like, they don't have anybody like that. And then, uh, like, after that, like, Dragon Age, it's removed. I haven't played a ton of Mass Effect, so I can't – maybe there is someone there, but – uh, like Dragon Age, there's nobody that's like that because the one main secondary character, um, Alistair, is uh, he's goofy and, and at least like fun uh-huh. and, and charming. He's not a, a complete tool like Karth is. Yeah, Karth sucks, like terrible character. And I hate that you didn't get to kill him because, like I said, he just bolts. He runs because <laughs> I guess he figured, oh, these dark, these Sith are way stronger than me with my yeah. blaster pistols. Is um is the the Sith Academy any different if you're like on the dark side? Like, do they treat you differently? Not really. Um, it's it, again, it's just sort of it's easier because you're killing everybody instead of like trying to figure out how to sabotage things uh-huh. and like work around things. Like you were just being like a, a true Sith and just burrowing your way through it. Um, I think there's a little bit more interesting conversation with like 
you know, Agenta Paul and like Marco Ragnos and things like that. I think there's a little more interesting because of the dialogue options. Mm-hmm. So you learn a little bit more about them, but they're a little more tragic in that regard. Like you realize like sort of the folly of being a Sith is the they're all going to betray each other. And they're that's why they will never succeed. Yeah. Is like Malik. You got you guys were winning. You were winning. And because you chose I'm going to betray Revan right now, you screwed everything up. Yep. Uh, the Sith will literally like kill each other until there's not enough of them left to exist. And then they just have to like camp out until more people turn to the dark side or some shit. Like pretty much. It's, yeah. Uh, it's so a that's... very weird uh, structure that they've got going on. Yeah, it, it's it's a flawed system. and But ultimately, like, that's what makes Star Wars interesting is, like, technically they're both flawed systems. But, yeah. you know, people are like, well, the Jedi aren't. And it's like, no, nah, the Jedi are because they, they become too, we're perfect. We don't yeah. make mistakes. They The Jedi are flawed because it's, it is an unreasonable ask of people to keep up with all the stuff that Jedi have to keep up with, basically. Well, a, there's a reason that there's like, you know, so many of the talented young Jedi turn to the dark side at like the drop of a hat because they they break one of the 6000 rules mm-hmm. that, you know, puts you on the path. It, it's so incredibly hard. And the biggest thing, at least, you know, this this is more in the in the prequel trilogy. The reason why Palpatine was able to rise to power is and the Jedi didn't even realize this. They completely lost their way. They had become the force had become clouded. So they and that's how they had lived. They weren't making their own determinations and own decisions. They were just literally like whatever the force wills that we should uh-huh. do. So essentially they're cut off from the force, not really cut off, but like they can't be guided by it. So because of that, they have no idea what to do. They're like this thing that's been guiding us for a couple hundred years. Fucking we can't we can't. It's clouded. We don't know what to do. <laughs> and then. A war happens and they're not supposed to be warriors. They're peacekeepers. They're like monks, basically. They're not supposed to be soldiers. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see like through Clone Wars, like there's a lot of Jedi that fall to the dark side. And the entire time Palpatine's just sitting there like, hey, I'm the Dark Lord of the Sith. And you don't know because I'm clouding the force, I'm, you know, so I'm right here. Yeah. Yeah. Right here the whole time. I am that powerful. <laughs> so, and yeah, that the dark side is like a a tempting and corrupting force too. It's not like, you know, you break one Jedi rule and you're, you're on the dark side, but like the dark side is always there tempting you as well. Mm -hmm. So, Oh yeah. If you're not that perfect, you know, person of iron will that can like resist all of the temptation and all human emotion and all human contact and all, you know, basically what it means to be human in general, uh, then yeah, the dark side's probably going to win. So it's oh yeah, it's it, an un- it's incredibly hard. <laughs> it's a very hard thing to keep up with. And one of the cool things that this game does, and you get to see it a lot in like the Valley of the Dark Lords, is you get to understand why the Sith look for things that increase their power, and why they're also constantly looking for things to increase their length of their life and mm-hmm. things like that, and why they turn to, um, like, like Malak is missing a jaw, like his jaw is gone, so he has, you know, a mechanical thing attached, and the reason is, and you see this when you go to the Valley of the Dark Lords, 
they don't live on through the force. They become like ghosts and they haunt where they, they tend to either be attached to a place or an object. <laughs> uh-huh. So when you go to these tombs, they're literally like a scar in the force trapped forever right there in that space. Whereas like other Jedi, when they die, they become part of the force and they can appear anywhere and everywhere. And we've seen that in like Obi-Wan. We've seen that Yoda does it. Obi-Wan yeah. does it. Mm-hmm. Qui-Gon does it. Like, but the dark side, there's nothing after that. There is no living through the force. There mm-hmm. is – this is the end. So that's why they're all obsessed with power is because they're trying to figure out how do I extend my life so I don't become something that is essentially a force poltergeist. Right. I guess that makes sense why Anakin's there at the end of Return of the Jedi because he, mm-hmm. he he made the, the trip back to the light side right before he died. Yeah. Yep. Funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you could be terrible for like 30 years and then you just come come back in the last two minutes and you're back, baby. Yep, back and into you're not heaven. all fucked up either. <laughs> uh, I'm still mad they replaced uh, replaced him with Hayden Christensen, but no shade to Hayden Christensen. He did what he could. He did. You know, hey, he, he's sometimes you can't escape bad writing. <laughs> okay, so from bad writing to bad boss fights, you get to the Star Forge. Uh, you go through this just incredibly long gauntlet of combat going through like the catwalks and stuff inside the star forge. Um, you get separated from your party. It's, it's a whole thing. It is an extremely long section. It's too long, but uh, I guess they want to make sure that you are up to the task of fighting Malik uh, at the end. Cause even on a dark side playthrough, you're still going to fight Malik, right? Oh, yeah, that that doesn't change. Uh, some of the details of the fight change. Right. Um, because of certain force abilities that you would have as a dark side user that you wouldn't have as like, you know, a light side user. Right. Um, I think it's so long and I think the Star Forge is like this one because they're like, that's the power of the Star Forge is it can create droids and ships and blah, 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 like with no yeah. resources, like mm-hmm. out of thin air. And um, I think it's literally just uh, if you haven't leveled up enough. It's going to level you up exactly. to, to be relevant to that point of the game. Yep. So in the Malik fight, um, Malik has these seven Jedi kind of captured in these stasis pods or whatever. And um, you, when you fight him, you beat him one time. He runs over and steals the power from the Jedi that are captured. And there's a couple ways to go about the fight. So if you're doing a dark side playthrough is it force lightning or force drain or something like uh, you that? You do force drain and take their life force. Right. So he can't steal the life force from exactly. Them. And you're dark side. So who gives a shit? You're, you're killing yeah, you're, Jedi. You're out, you're out dark siding him. Yeah. Showing you're the dark Lord of the Sith, not him. Exactly. Um, if you're doing a light side playthrough, uh, that's very unfortunate because what that means is you just have to fight Malik eight times. Pretty much. That's the only time where, this game with light side is harder, no doubt, because you get less money. You have to go essentially the long way about everything. So it is essentially more rewarding, but it's also more difficult because of that. Yeah. And this this final boss fight is it's not difficult. It wasn't for me. Um, not a difficult fight. Like strategically, you are a superhero at this point. Mm. Um, even if you're on the light side and you don't have the cool dark side powers, you're still a superhero. Uh, I just had like enough healing items. So if he, if Malik hit me a bunch, I healed, but what it amounts to, because he comes over and he, you beat him, he runs over, you can't hit him when he's running. 
Yeah, he, which is like oh, so vi- such a fucking video game bullshit yep. thing. And, and so what happens is he runs over, he steals the life from the Jedi, he fully heals, and then you repeat Beat that his ass again. Yeah, repeat that seven times, and then it's over. It's it's really um, not that the combat was ever great in the game, but I, this is a real yeah. stinker of a final boss fight. It is, I, and I sort of get it because of the just the way combat's laid out. So, like, I get it in that regard. But as you said, man, it's just not fun. It is a little better dark side wise because you can you can do it. You can drain them, and you know, so it makes it easier in that capacity. And it's it's the only time that like being dark side really feels like okay, yeah, this is great because you're really having a huge impact on mm-hmm. something in the game that feels like it makes a difference. Um, and then if you, when you beat Malik, you're just basically the emperor again. Like you become the emperor of the Sith empire. essentially. Yeah. You know, like I, I was in this fight cause I had a lot of time to think in between the fifth and sixth time I fought him during <laughs> this fight. Um, I'm playing a light side character. Why can't I save these captive Jedi, but there's no way to save cool, them. Right. Yeah. It would have been awesome to, you know, I don't know, do some fucking unplug the machine or something so they can get up and run away. But yeah, like get out of here, yeah. save yourself. You know, for like, the, I, I don't know if the game is still going to be remade. I know at one point there, it was mm. in being remade and then it's not anymore, but yeah, maybe that's a change. If, if it actually does go along with getting remade finally, maybe that's what happens is they add that element in. And I could see that in a remake scenario of like, because at the time, it's 2003, it's the original Xbox. Like, there's only so much you can do. But I feel like now they would probably add that in to let you, like, free them and let them get out of there or something. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It was being remade, and then they transferred it to a different studio because they weren't happy with how the original studio was doing it or something like that. So it's probably in development hell at this point. Yeah, I, I think it's almost safe to say it's, not happening but it's not like officially been said that it's not happening right but if a remake were to happen um combat would be like easily the biggest jump in quality i feel pretty confident in saying like they'll make the combat better and then by extension this final boss fight will surely be better maybe more options with how to solve it than just literally fight malik eight times in a row yeah that felt like (laughs) That felt like we know we've got to do an epic fight, but because ultimately like combat and the enemies that you face are so limited into what they can do. This is the only thing that we could do to make it different than Mm -hmm. every other dark side force user fight you've had the whole game. Yep. I guess there's only so many ways that you can do it. Granted, if it was done today, there's going to be some quick time events involved and like mashing the X button really quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I believe if you're doing a light side playthrough, uh, you get a dialogue choice to basically say like, I'll join the Jedi or basically say like, you know what? I'm leaving peace deuces. And then, uh, you walk off. But in my game, I can't remember what I said, but there is like, you know, like at the end of return of the Jedi, the, uh, the ceremony with the medals and all of that stuff. So it's kind of fun. Good throwback. Yeah. It's, it's a nice, like, kind of very warm, fuzzy Star Wars ending. Yeah. Um, I think Dar- the dark side, it's literally like, you know, 
Bastila introduces you is like the, you know, the Doth Revan, the Emperor, Dark Lord of the Sith, or whatever the hell she calls you. And it's just like in front of this massive army of of Sith. And it's like, we're going to destroy the Republic and rule the galaxy. And it's like, <laughs> well, that doesn't happen. But yeah, um, which is, you know, I, I get it. They Plus, you know, they were working on KOTOR 2 at this point, which is funny. Because when they were working on the, it's a different studio that makes yeah, it's KOTOR Obsidian, 2. Yeah. And um, they didn't know the story of the first game. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's why, like, when you play it, there's some connections, but not really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as I remember, like, HK47 is in KOTOR mm-hmm. 2, but like... You can rebuild him, yes. Yeah. Most of the other characters aren't there. Um, the story takes place like five years later but it's not about revan at all you're the exile yeah so that's kind of cool i i'm you know i have kotor 2 on the switch now i'll probably play it sometime because um i had a good enough time playing this that i'd be interested in because i always remembered the story in this game because how could you forget but i don't remember the story of kotor 2 very well so i would be interested to go back because i remember loving it back when i played it the first time it's great i think between the two like they're both good and the cool thing about them is that both of them have things about them that are way better than the other one like one of the i this is sort of a spoiler but not really because you could do like quests and stuff with all your individual characters Mm -hmm. but in the second kotor you can make every single person on your party a jedi like they aren't one but then they can become one. I remember like, that. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like, that's <laughs> so cool. Uh, it's hard with some of them. Like, it's really hard to get that closeness and dialogue and all that kind of stuff. But to me, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, this is what you want is like to make everybody a Jedi. And, you know, it, it uh, I think it's secondary character stories are a little bit deeper uh because almost everybody has this sort of like inherent sadness about their character so i think that's kind of uh-huh. cool um the force powers are cool uh it's great it's a really good game Hell so yeah. i should definitely jump into it the ending of it sucks because <laughs> it it <laughs> it almost feels like it wasn't finished like yeah. that's the problem with the ending of the second one kotor 2 does uh notably have like cut content that Mm -hmm. um, Asper, the developer of like this remastered version on switch and stuff uh, promised that they were going to put out uh, like as a DLC. And then recently they were like, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, So you, they, what they did was they said like, if you own KOTOR 2, please send us proof and we'll send you a game code for another one of the old star Wars games. So I did that. I got uh, Jedi Outcast on the Switch. So I nice. never played that. That'll be cool. It, it's fun. Uh, it, it's one of the ones like where, you know, you just kind of pick your force powers and, and play through the game. You get to a point where you could choose light side or dark side, but you could be using dark side powers the entire time. Yeah. Like, but it's 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 fun. Yeah. Like I, I had a good time with it when I played it originally. Hell yeah. And I've had a good time on this episode here tonight, man. This is a lot of yeah, fun. I appreciate you. Uh, we're over two hours now. Again, taking the time to come talk KOTOR with me. Yeah, man. I was so pumped when you asked me to do it. This is one of my favorite. It's Star Wars. Like, my yeah. life is Star Wars. Like, I have multiple Star Wars tattoos. I literally do not remember a point in my life where Star Wars was not part of it. Yeah, so, same. You know, love it so much. I love this game. 
Uh, yeah, it, it's like I said, if, if you are a Star Wars fan, it's a must play just yeah. just to appreciate it. And especially nowadays, looking at how, you know, Star Wars fans were eating good. You know, we got so many TV shows and animated shows and mm-hmm. movies and like this was in the break of the drought, you know, after Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. So but it is still like. There's so much cool stuff that you can see in Star Wars media today. You, there's just like hints and pieces of it, especially if Dave Filoni's involved because he's like going to take that, going to just add that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this this is good. It's um, it, it's always good to have a Star Wars story that a does not involve the uh, Skywalkers. You know, there is potential for endless storytelling out there. So um, this is awesome, and um. Also good to have a Star Wars story again that's that's taking place in a much different time zone, like uh, era in Star mm-hmm. Wars history. Because again, you can tell all these wild stories with uh, Sith Lords and you don't have to worry about like, well, Darth Vader has to win because he's in all the movies. So, yep. yeah. So <laughs> and, and, this ga- and this series gave birth to the Old Republic, which is sneakily the best MMO that is out there right now. Nice. And it's also kind of not an MMO because it's basically Knights of the Old Republic 3. It's just <laughs> online. That's it. Like you could play the whole game solo. You don't ever have to play with anybody. Nice. That uh, And it's free to play. The best MMO, even better than the critically acclaimed uh, MMO. Well, not the critically acclaimed <laughs> Final <laughs> Fantasy 14, where you can play the free trial up to level 60, That's including right. the award-winning <laughs> Heavensward for no limits on playtime. I love that meme. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks again, man. This has been awesome. Thank you. Uh, everybody listening, I appreciate everyone sticking it out to the end. As always, um, if you have not played KOTOR before and we just spoiled the whole thing, I do think that there is value in going back and seeing the breadcrumbs that they laid for that big twist uh, and all of the stuff with the Jedi too. Um, thank you for listening. Once again, check down in the show notes for links to everything that Mick is doing. Highly recommended. And tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog. Backlog.